Well, let's, uh, we're going to talk about prayer. Kevin asked me to share my heart on prayer. I do have a heart for prayer. I, I don't attribute it to uh, something I worked up. It's something God gave me, and then I just run with it. That's how things are. And uh, so let's, let's pray. Father, I think of that last song we just sang together, um, and often I think of this. Lord, you told us very clearly that when two or more of us are gathered together to your name, that means we come with the intention to focus on you, you are there. We, there's, we really don't have to ask for your presence, we just have to seek it. But Lord, then there's also that thing where it's called the manifestation of the Spirit. And how you choose to manifest yourself is absolutely at your discretion. It's not something we can induce you to. You choose to do it. So we would, but we can ask, and we do ask this morning. Would you please speak to every one of us here? Would you open up our hearts and our minds to you, what you want to do? You are doing a lot. We are so grateful and thankful for everything that you do in our lives, as personally, on a personal level, and as a group, as, a, and as, a, as an assembly, as a church. And we are asking you, Lord, to do more. Number one, for your glory, that you can magnify the name of your Son, Father, and that you can truly bl bring blessings to this mixed-up world. That's what we ask for this morning. And we know you are a gracious and good God, and you love to bless. And so that's our expectation, that's our hope, that's our prayer this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please pardon me as I sit. I've got some issues with this tent I'm wearing. It's wearing out. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be like this when I was this age. I, didn't, I was not counting on this. But uh, you know what? I've got one in reservation. How about you guys? Amen? Okay. So Kevin asked me to share my heart on prayer. And you know, that's a huge subject. He's going to spend two 10-week sessions, I think, coming up through the first half of this year. And I, and I really am looking forward to that. There's so much to say about it. And there is so much to do, right? It's in the doing. And so I'm going to share with you just three lessons that the Lord has taught me over the years. Um, they're from select passages. We'll go through them. And uh, they're mine. These are things that, and they're not one at a, it's not all at once kind of a thing. The Lord kind of, in his lessons, they, they, they can be extended over time, right? And so I'm going to share these with you, and, and uh, I hope that every one of us would glean from these, because I'm, I'm going to teach from the Word of God. I love the Word of God. So as we get into this, I'm going to share three points before we get going. Uh, first, I'm going to start with a profound definition that my wife gave me. She's, she gives it to me a lot, <laughs> but she gave me this lesson here. 
Here's the definition of prayer. Prayer is talking with our God. I'm waiting for a, wow. That's what it is. It's having a conversation with God. And notice it's not two. Now, it may start out that way. A lot of times when we're in bad situations or, you know, we're in a hurry or whatever, we talk to God, right? But there's a conversation that God wants. And usually it's extended. It's not brief. And, I, and I'm not against brief prayers. We need to have a lot of brief prayers. But we need to have a lot of even deeper extended conversation with the living God. And what an invitation, guys. I, I, I'm in awe of that. If you, if you can step back and take a look at who God is, we all ought to be in awe all the time. A conversation with God? Wow. First one. So, and then the second one is this. The lessons that we're going to talk about this morning are both personal and group lessons. I am a strong advocate of private prayer, personal prayer, time with the Lord. There you have some conversation with him. And again, it's okay if you're running, you got to run, you're moving fast, have that two conversation. God, I'm going to talk to you. Here's what's going on. But we really need those with conversations extended. And I, my personal time is, is with song, with worship, with, I just put it all together. It's kind of indistinguishable. We call it prayer, but I think it's a bunch of things. But I'm also a strong advocate for group prayer. And um, there are some dynamics that apply more to group than they do to the personal prayer. And we're going to talk about them. We need to talk about them. If you look at, the, again, the Scripture, you look at the book of Acts in particular, you look at what Paul prays, in uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, they are group prayers, okay? And then thirdly, we're going to walk through these verses slowly. I'm going to point out words. When I, I'm in an e-group. Uh, we've been in an extended e-group for about <laughs> five years now. And uh, occasionally they let me have a vacation, I can, I can remember when we just went through the first uh, e-group session. Uh, at the end of it, they came up to me. I'm with the seniors, a group of seniors, about 20 of us now. They came up to me and they said, you know, we're willing to extend your contract. You're doing pretty good here. That was very sweet. But anyway, we want to slow down and look and see what the verses say. I, I found in my own personal life, especially when I was in my youth, I would rush through the Bible. I thought, okay, sheer reading of the thing, something's going to rub off. And, and it can, it can, it does, but that's not the normal way, right? When you have a conversation, you come up and have a conversation with somebody, and you just say, and then you're on your way, what, what happened there? I don't even know, we, did we have, did we talk? We Extended conversations are slow. They get into some details. We, you know, we can wander around. That's what it's about. And we want, to, we want to let the text speak to us. Do you believe the Holy Spirit's here this morning? Come on, can I hear something a little bit louder? All right, thank you. He's here, and he 
has a job to do, and he does it extremely well. And he can speak to us, but a lot of times it takes us to slow down. Okay? All right, lesson number one. So we've got three scripture passages. This first one is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And notice I've highlighted that second word. Let your requests be made known to God. So the being made known to God is some kind of conversation, right? You've got to have that. But I want to look at and focus on your requests. So the next slide, we want to look at the verses here. Do not be anxious about anything. That's, that's a pretty high statement and command, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And frankly, a lot of times we as Christians, um, we try hard. We're, we, we're, we're very sincere people. I find us most of the time we're sincere. And we want to, I, I want to please God. So I'm going to say what I believe he wants me to say. I'm going to talk to him the way he wants me to talk to him. Well, and he is God, right? So that he deserves kind of a talk, and I frame my words that way. And I would say, especially in a group prayer meeting, this is a, an issue. So it's easier, much easier in our own personal prayer. Uh, we learn over time, especially when we're desperate people, we, we will let it go. We just let it out. We tell God exactly. I, I've actually, how many of you have ever been mad with God? Come on, come on. I don't, okay, there's some really wonderful saints here. But I've been mad with God. And I remember one time I was walking around the living room. I was single at that time. Nobody was home, and I was yelling at God. And then afterwards I got a little embarrassed, but it's kind of like the Lord said, okay, it's okay. At least you got out what's inside of you. Okay, I don't recommend it. That was not a recommendation. Okay, but we need to let known our request. But in 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 group prayer, I have found personally and with others, we agonize over saying things because we don't want anybody to feel we've goofed it up. We don't. We're we're just, and some of us stay silent. And here's my heart, guys. That's tragedy. We have the opportunity when we come together, and I can't tell you how many times in, in group prayer, when I've been together with a group of people, and I do it frequently. I, I'm, I'm encouraging, again, and I know we've done this, I'm encouraging every single group gathering have some time of prayer. Utilize, take that opportunity, pray together. And, and there's an echo. The Spirit of God inspires somebody. They pray a prayer that echoes in somebody else's heart, and on the prayer goes. I've seen this so many times. And we agonize over what others think. We agonize over how to say it. We're framing the words. I mean, in group prayer, you're supposed to listen to the dynamic. You're supposed to listen to everybody else's prayer and say, amen. Yes, that's right, Lord. I agree with that. But instead, sometimes we find ourselves formulating what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it just right so that nobody thinks I'm a goof. Here's my, here's my strong word to you. 
get over it, please. Get over it. Lord, save us from that kind of stuff. We can be so bound up. I'm just going to read the words because I wrote them down. I don't often read my notes <laughs> and I get lost. I'm, I'm hoping not to do that this morning. Okay, but we can be so bound out, bound up. Saints, get uncorked. Cut loose. Cry and weep. Laugh. Say hallelujah. Get engaged. We're having a conversation with the living God. And the other guy that's there, this is, a, this is a strange phenomena. Often we will say in our prayers, and, it, and I, I understand the dynamic of it, and we'll say, God, don't let the devil in here today. Okay, we're having a meeting. Don't let the devil hear. I read the Scripture, and you know what? God has a lot of sessions in the, in the heavenly throne room. You want to know who's there? Can you guess? The devil. He still has access. Go read Job chapters 1 and 2. Go read some other passages. He still has access. God allows that guy access. You know what we got to do? We, we just need to, uh, don't get me wrong here, we just need to tell him, just shut up. I'm praying. Don't. don't. I am going to pray. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you think. I am praying to the living God, and my brothers and sisters, if it's in a group context, are listening and amening what I'm saying. And you know what? We make a practice, too. Yeah, sometimes I'll tell you, if you hang around me enough and you're in a group prayer meeting, I would encourage you all. I would like everybody to come to Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. I would love to pack out that room. I'd, have to, I'd love to move into this room here. But anyway, even if I say a goofy prayer, I'm off. Just kind of wandering and stuff like that. You know what? Say amen anyway. Because God knows my heart, right? God knows my heart. He already knows it. So I don't, you know, one of the things we can't quite figure out is why does he ask us to say something loud? Well, he does. So let's get over it and get on with it, right? How many of you, I found this so last night. How many of you have children, young children? Let me see some hands. All right. Oh, yep. How many of you have grandchildren? Oh, man, the hands go up. It tells us a little bit something about the dynamics of this congregation. Anyway, I have a, we have, I've, my wife and I have eight grandchildren. Marvelous thing. I never imagined such a thing when I was 25, but I have eight. And uh, we've got two of them that come over every weekday in the morning. And one of them is a seven-year-old boy, and he wants to have conversation. And, and you know what? He's not that worried about articulating. Sometimes I have to coach it out of him. Can you give me a little more information here? What are we talking about? And you know what? I am delighted he's wanting a conversation with Grandpa. Can I hear an amen from you, Grandpa's? John, right? Delight in that. It's Kelly, right? He's shaking his head. That's what God is that way. I, I think Garrett is putting out on the Facebook a, a link to an article from a friend of mine, Samuel Whitfield. It's called The Secret of Prayer. And The Secret of Prayer, I would encourage you, it's a short article. It's about four pages long, not that big, not that heavy. 
It's very simple. The secret of prayer is in the opening words of the model prayer the Lord gave us. It's our Father who art in heaven. We're going to a father. We're not going to some CEO, an executive. He's not a big guy running a business, and he wants a brief conversation, concise and everything. No, he's a, he's a father delighting to hear from his children, wanting to hear from them. Think about that. The last point on this lesson, verse 7. Again, often what you, we need to do when we read Scripture is notice what's in there and what's not in there. Notice what's in these two verses. Notice what's not in this, these verses. There is no mention of any answer to prayer. You see it in there? Is, any, is there any kind of answer to the specific prayer? None. Paul is not addressing answers to prayer. Do I, be, do I believe in answers to prayer? Amen. I'm, that's what I'm praying about often, right? I'm looking for an answer. But in, this, in this, these verses, the concept is don't be anxious. How many of you have had an anxious thought in the last week or so? Come on, I'm expecting every hand. Come on, I don't believe you guys. Eric, you're, uh, did you have an anxious, anxious? All right, okay, there he goes. He's right now. Maybe more than one? All right, fine. How do you think we get rid of anxieties? According to this scripture, this is scripture. Don't be anxious. Make known your requests. You've got, that's why you're anxious. You've got these things going on. Make known your requests and the peace of God. That passes all understanding. You don't, sometimes God is not in a hurry. Anybody ever notice this? God is not in a hurry to answer the immediate needs. We don't like that, but you know what? He's, a, he's an extremely wise father. He's doing a lot of things, and he's coordinating things together. How many times have we had answered prayers and they're, they're, they're delayed because he had to do a bunch of things and bring a bunch of things together. Okay? Lesson two. That's the first lesson. Let your requests be made known. Lesson two. <laughs> now, you, I bet you never knew this parable was in the, uh, in the Scripture. The, the parable is, how badly do you want this? Luke 18. If you go to the Scriptures, please. This is the parable. The Lord told them a parable to show that they must always pray and not be discouraged. So this is the parable about the unrelenting widow. So he's saying there was a certain judge in a certain town who did not fear God and did not respect people. That's a tough judge. And there was a widow in that town, and she kept coming to him, saying, Grant me justice against my adversary. Next slide. And he was not willing. He was not willing. And, and the, don't get me wrong, the, the unjust judge is not a picture of God. He's not. But it may seem, from our perspective, that's what it's like. 
He was not willing for a time, but after these things, he said to himself, he didn't say it aloud, he was talking to himself, even if I do not fear God or respect people, yet because this widow is causing trouble for me, okay, I will grant her justice so that she does not wear me down in the end by her coming back. Literally in the Greek, that kind of phrase in the phraseology there I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give in. I'm going to cave to her because she's going to beat me black and blue. That's, that's what it means. That's the literal translation, as literal as you can get. We need to have that attitude, brothers and sisters. And so I, I, there was a time in my life I, was, I, I prayed and I was praying and I was kind of just kind of rolling through the prayers. And, and again, don't misunderstand me. I, we need... We should have, those of us that are so inclined, have prayer lists, and we need to watch for answers. I agree with that. But if we're just kind of keeping book, though I prayed that today, there we got that one, and we're not having this kind of intensity in our prayers. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. I didn't hear an audible voice again. I've never had an audible voice of the Lord. Um, but I had very distinctly, in the, when I was praying something, the Lord told me, he just said to me, how badly do you want this? I mean, your, your prayer is so tepid, Parker. Are you serious about this? It says that the Lord Jesus, he prayed with strong crying and tears. And, and again, I'm not... I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but when is the last time you've cried in prayer? Because it's so real, so anguishing, so intense, and you just, God, if you don't do something, I'm, I'm a dumb. I'm done. It's over. This thing's going to happen. It's tragedy. There's things like that today in life, isn't there? How many have a concern for this nation? How many have a concern for the world? How many think this thing is, is a, it's going down? If God doesn't intervene, brothers and sisters, this world is going down. Now, he is going to intervene. That's the encouraging news. Amen? He's going to intervene. He does intervene. He's intervening right now. He's doing that. But... There is the dynamic, this dynamic of prayer, and this is the lesson I've learned over the years, and I encourage you to, I know you're probably learning this one. We got to be intentional and intense with the Lord. We got to cry out, even to the point of tears, kneeling, all that kind of stuff. And I want you to look at the, uh, where are we? Let's see here. Go to the next slide if you would. The Lord said, listen to what the unrighteous judge is saying. And will not God surely see to it that justice is done? Much, this prayer is focused on justice. And I I, want to tell you that I'm very encouraged that I see a growing concern with the issues of justice. The church cares about justice. But where there is transaction with regard to taking care of justice is at the throne of grace. We need to do a lot of action. I'm going to talk about it here at the end. 
We need to engage with this, with this world on social issues. But if we rely on that to do the job, we are, we are wrong. That will not do the job. It'll be temporal stuff testifying to what God cares about. But the real justice making, meeting, meeting the need of justice is transacted in prayer. That's where it's done. Next slide. I want you to read this slowly, this, is, this slide. Just read the words. I tell you that he will see to it that justice is done for them soon. And God has his own dictionary definition for that word. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, then will he find faith on the earth. The Lord Jesus is asking that question, and he's, he's addressing it to his disciples, who's, who's, whom he's telling this parable to. He's saying, I'm wondering if I'm going to find faith when I come. Now, you've got to connect the faith in this passage right here, that verse, with the rest of the parable. The parable is about insistent, persistent, intensive prayer. And God is asking the question, the Son of God is asking the question, will I find that as a demonstration of faith when I come? That's what he's saying here. Okay? There's, there's a, I don't know, it's not much prominent today. There's a, there's a kind of a, a, a bad teaching that says that if you really have faith, if you really have the faith, you ought to be, just be able to ask once, and you got the answer. I, ha- I have another, and this is, this is a Pastor Kevin uh, spiritual word that I've learned. Baloney. That's a bunch of nonsense. No such thing. It's, in, it's directly opposed to this, this passage. This passage says the demonstration of faith is persistent, prolonged, hard down, getting into it prayer. That is a demonstration that I believe. And I wrote myself a little uh, note here, and I'm going to get into it in the next, this next uh, lesson, but prayer is the greatest demonstration to the principalities and powers that we recognize who God is and who we are. I know that the only resource I have again and again and again is at one place and one place only, and that is at the throne of grace. And I am demonstrating I am not able. I am at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. How many times have we been in prayer, brothers and sisters, and we just don't know what to do? I had one season, I remember, I was going through a difficult time. There was some real issues, the biggest, one of the biggest issues I've ever faced in my life. And I, I was out, I was working for Boeing. I went out for walk during lunch at the, uh, out in the, out in the uh, uh, cars in the parking way. And I and sometimes I, I wouldn't do any, I couldn't do anything but groan. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray. That's a demonstration. 
And I think we got to get it right. So the next lesson, the third lesson that I want to share with you guys about is this one. And this is the one that's been most recent in my life. These kind of follow an order. And this is the one, and again, this is a lesson I am still learning. I'm learning this lesson. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, we know this passage fairly well. It's the armor of God, the panoply, as the Greek says. But this whole section, what, what it speaks to me, the lesson that's with me, is that there is a universal war. There's a worldwide war. And there is no area in this planet that's exempt. And I'm not talking about a physical war. I'm not talking about the Syrian war. I'm not talking about the stuff that's happening uh, in Sudan or anything like that. I'm talking about in the heavenlies. There is a universal war. The battle is spiritual. The battle's spiritual. It's not flesh and blood. That's a hard lesson to learn. How many of you guys groaned about the last election? Come on. I know you did. I heard you. And, and what, what's going on today? All this kind of, oh, well, you know, just, and some of it is downright rank and terrible. But the battle is spiritual, and listen, it demands, it demands armored prayer. So I can tell you that the whole context of this passage ultimately ends in prayer. If it doesn't end in prayer, we're not in the battle. I'm just being honest. I'm just being frank. That's where the battle is fought. Do we need to have a battle in ideas? Yes. Do we need to get engaged with political discussion? Yes, I believe we do. I believe some of us are called to do that. Do we need to believe, do we need to get engaged in social issues? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, there's been one issue in my life. I've been doing it for 20 plus years. That's uh, sex trafficking. It's now become a, a new favorite. A lot of people are getting into it. But I, I tell you, there's one woman from Washington State, Linda Smith. If you don't know her, I would encourage you to get to know her. She has a ministry called Shared Hope, and they have been in the battle for 20 plus years. And I, have, I know Linda. I've met her, talked with her. I've been to her play, conferences. She is doing a yeoman's work, a young woman's work on, on this stuff, changing the laws. But listen, we all know, guys, law doesn't change people. Might modify their behavior. That's two different things, right? Modified behavior and changed inside are two different things. It will not change the insides of anybody. It'll make the criminals a little bit scared, but it will not change who they are. Prayer can do that. I don't know if you know what's going on. I mean, maybe I've heard some of the stories um, from the Middle East. I work with some people that do some incredible work in the Middle East. Uh, some of the stories that are coming from there are just incredible. And there are jihadis, former ISIS, former Al-Qaeda people. They are coming to Jesus Christ. And I tell you, they weren't won by an argument. They were won, won by a visitation in a dream by Esau, Jesus, and then they were won in the conversation 
and a real encounter with an embodiment of Jesus called the, the, the believer in Jesus Christ. And they're won by that and through the word of God and by prayer. Okay. Now there's whole books written on this section. This, this, this uh, passage here. If anyone is a, likes a big, heavy, meaty book, I can recommend one here. Uh, William Gurnall, he was the actual, the, uh, what do they call it, the chaplain to Oliver Cromwell in the 1600s in England. And uh, he wrote a book that's uh, 1,500 pages on this passage. Whew. Talk, there, there's, I'm up, Kevin, I'm going to imitate him. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Kevin, did you see that? Okay, he's going to maybe watch I think he's going to be here second service. Uh, so I'll do that again. I don't mind. I like to tease that guy. He needs teasing. Everybody needs teasing. Let's go to the passage. So if, if Gurnall wrote 1,500 pages on this, I'm not going to spend any time but on one, one little brief thing in the middle, okay? But we need, we need to be strong in the Lord. It can't be, it's not, we're not depending on ourselves. In the might of his strength, we need to put on, that's our action. We need to put on. God doesn't do it for us, we need to do it. Put on the armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the stratagems of the devil. Next slide. Because, here's why, this is it. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of, the, of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And these, these guys are ancient beings. They are 6,000 plus years old. They hung, they've hung around God's throne for many years. They still have access to it. The chief one that we know among them is called the devil, Satan. These guys are serious players. Next verse. Next uh, slide. So because of this, because of who we're fighting, we need to take up the full armor in, in order that we may be able to resist in the evil day. And this is the evil day, Paul said earlier in, the, in this letter, the days are evil. Okay? And having done everything to stand, and stand therefore, and here's where I want to just focus on for a few moments, stand therefore girding your waist with truth, and putting on the breastplate of righteousness, but girding your waist with truth. Now, here's where I get to stand up and kind of move around, okay? How many of you guys are into exercise? Uh, how many of you guys want to be into exercise? All right, I think that's the key question. So in, in modern philosophy of exercising and stuff, you know, there's all the kind of things, but I think the biggest, I, I'll call it a discovery, it's an important thing, uh, the biggest discovery that is out there, you can buy d DVDs and watch things on YouTube. How many have ever heard about the core? Strengthen your core, okay? The core is this part, it's about from here to here. You know, and again, if, if you can get into exercise and people do this, they make these huge legs and they make these huge arms and the huge chest. And, I, and I, I play, I've played in martial arts for many years. 
you know what, guys? I could take them down in about eight seconds. Because I'm not relying on the huge arms and the huge legs. I, I go for the core, and if you destabilize that, guess what? There's a saying out there. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Okay? The core, the waist in there. There's a lot of different terms they do use for that. That translates different places. Okay? So maybe you ladies know a little bit about this, but how about the guys? You guys know what this is? Kelly, you're looking at me. All right, so I love to chop wood. Believe it or not, I get out there with my chainsaw, cut it up, and then I go to work with my axe. And now that I've got some sciatica going on, you know, it's a little bit harder. But you know, this helps great, a great deal. I gird the waist with, well, I won't, I won't stretch it up the whole way. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I need this as the brace so that my core is engaged. So when I'm stringing, and, and if, you're, if you're an axe swinger, I mean, you use the whole body. I mean, you get your legs into it and stuff. Russ, you, you split wood? Okay. He knows what I'm talking about. Just, you just, and you can get good at it. What do we gird our waist with? Come on, you guys can read the verse. This is the interactive part, guys, I'm telling you. Truth. Notice, what again, what it does not say. It does not say the definitive article, truth. We are not talking about facts and data. I believe in memorizing the Scripture. I don't do a real good job. Kevin's got the number one place on that. I do believe in reading books. You can come home to my house, and you can see the library I have. I read them all the time. Like, like Garrett said, I, I probably do. He, that was a little bit, bit of an exaggeration. But I do read a lot, lots. But facts and data is not what it's talking about. Because then the guys that could, that, that could be engaged in spiritual warfare would be the real smart ones. And there's not many smart, not many noble, not many this and that. We're not dealing with the truth. We're dealing with truth. We're dealing with reality. That word truth can often be translated reality. What is really real? The real deal. I, I, again, I like, Kevin's got to work on his jokes, but uh, I like his little sayings. The real deal. Keep on keeping on. The real deal. Remember who we're fighting here. Ancient principalities and powers who are, who are spiritual beings in the heavenlies. They know what this is about. They've been given they, they, the whole world, what it says is, lies in the evil one. There's the prince of Persia and the prince of, of Greece. These guys are real powers, real powers. So these are the ones we're fighting with, okay? And uh, if we don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in his living word, and that word does not become alive and real to us, we are lacking that. You know, today there's a lot of issues. You can, they're coming up with the church. 
the church is getting a lot of bad press because of bad behavior. Am I right? People getting caught in adultery. They've been in Christian ministry for years. This great speaker that can speak great, and they're just loved by everybody, and then they find out that that guy's been in a relationship with another woman for three years. They're not gripped by truth. They're not girded with truth. Uh, just a say, saying I read recently. Was, uh, one of the, the author that is now my new favorite. I don't know if you guys do this, but I cycle through authors. I've been a Christian for 45 years. I've cycled through a whole lot of authors. authors. I love them, but then I find another one that is meeting the need of where I am at that time. And Oswald Chambers is that guy right now. How many have ever read Oswald Chambers? Uh, that stuff is marvelous. He said this, real holiness and real godliness needs to get out to the very tips of our fingers and the tips of our toes. And if it's not there, guess what happens when we engage with these guys? We lose. Now, you know, I mean, we all are where we are, and we need to grow in grace, and God is merciful and long-suffering, and that's where he wants to get us. He wants to get us to conformity to the firstborn son. That's the goal. For you and I, impossible. For him, not impossible. To be made like the son. Wow. Okay. How many remember uh, the sons of Sceva in Acts 19? How many know that story? All right. There, there were these guys. These Jewish Guys, they're seven sons of this man named Sceva, and they had seen the Christians casting out demons. And they said, oh, yeah, okay. One of the brothers talked to the other brother, and he says, you got, they got the technique down. They did this. They said that. They said that. They used the name. They said the blood. And that's all magic. And look at They got the demon out of that guy. So they tried it. You want to bet? Anybody want to have a discussion on whether they were successful or not? What happened to him? The, the, the man in whom the demon was, the demon was, he says this, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then I'll put the Parker translation, you punk. I, you're an act. You got nothing. And he jumped on them. He tore their clothes off and threw them out of the house. No real deal. Another author that is in my favorite list is a man named Art Katz. And Katz was not, he was famous. He was well known in his days. Uh, he passed away about 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, he, he was in the charismatic circles and they wanted to make him the, the Billy Graham of the charismatic circles. And Art said, no, thank you. I, that's not what I want to do. And he, he had a lot of criticisms for the acts, I'll call it the showmanship, of the charismatic circles. And he could say that because that's where he was. And uh, one of his statements was this. How much do you and I make the principalities and powers tremble? Are they afraid of us? 
Not because of who we are, but because of who we are in Christ. That we are girded with the waist, around the waist with truth. We are the real deal. You know, one of the things about the real deal that is often demonstrated in martyrdom is um, it's really a challenge. You can say to the principalities and powers, go ahead, do whatever you want to do to me. It's not going to stop me. I'm not going to stop. In the last 70 years, the greatest move of the Spirit of God has been in two places primarily, China and Iran. How many want to go live in China? How many want to go live in Iran? It's not a wonderful place. In fact, it's a terrible place. It's mass persecution. A lot of martyrs. And the Spirit of God is moving. You know, even, and this is my little theme, I'm going to bring it out and then I'll move on. But in this, often when I hear talk about spiritual revival here in the United States, the sense I get is, God, I don't like all this stuff. It's messing up my life. I had a good life before. Re please return it. It's the moniker, make America great again. And what we, what we do is we, we're praying for that kind of stuff. In other words, it's, it's, we think it's, brothers and sisters, if we think that the LGBT stuff and the sinful lifestyles and everything else that's going on in this United States can stop our Christianity, we are not the real deal. It doesn't stop it. The Iranians, the mullahs, they kill you. We're, you know, right now, again, working with some friends. They're working with the underground church. Um, these guys, I'll tell you what, they are, they are living testimony. They are unafraid. Not because of a natural ability to do it, but because God is so real and they're girded with that truth. And they say, if you kill me, you kill me. I, I, you know what? My God is going to resurrect me. How about yours? My God is going to resurrect me. I don't... My prayer for all of us, brothers and sisters, and you can, you can get mad at me if you want, <laughs> but my prayer for all of us is God bring us to that point. Okay? They overcame him. Revelation 12. I believe it's verse 9. Revelation 12, 9, right around there. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Lord, may you get us all to that point. All right. And I'm going to add one more thing, two more things here, two practical things, just so we understand these things. So Monday is a holiday, right? Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Now, I hope that most everybody here in this room knows that person, knows about him. And he was a social justice warrior and a dear Christian man, from everything I can tell, I've heard. Okay? And there's going to be a lot of focus across this nation about racism, hatred, fear, all the stuff that's going on. All the Twitter 
You know, there's a Twitter from the POTUS, and then there's a Twitter from everybody else, and all this stuff, and all this stuff is going on. And I tell you what, I've been around on this globe for 66 years. That's not a super long time, but it's worse than I've ever seen it. And I, and I believe, I believe in full engagement. I, I believe we ought to be engaged. If you have something that's a passion on your heart, if this is a passion on your heart, if racism is an issue to you, get engaged with it. I encourage that. I, I, I exhort you to do that. Other things like that. Again, I'm, I believe in social justice, so I'm engaged with those things. But... If we believe that that is the eternal fix to those situations, again, we, we don't see things clearly. One of the words that the Lord's been speaking to me over the last weeks, months, is two words, cost and eternal. Am I willing to pay the cost and it... Are the things that I'm engaged in and what I do, are they eternal? And I say, God, help me out. I need you. I, 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 I want to be there. I want to be in that. I do. So that's, and here's what I wrote. And then we'll, we'll I got one more after that. We should seek the Lord this year for a 20 to 30% increase in good works. We should up it, up our game. I mean, we are doing fantastic things. I hear from others outside of this church, this assembly, that, that recognizes what God is doing. But you know what? Let's, let's move up the game, right? Are you with me on that? But, and here's my real passion, we ought to move up the gain on prayer 200 to 300%. Up it. If that's where the battle is, we need to up it. They're not winning. The battle was won on Calvary's cross. Done. It is finished. But God has given to us the responsibility to carry out in spiritual warfare that victory of the cross all over this whole globe. So I end with one final thing. On Friday, this coming Friday, there's four of us from this church. We're going to fly over to Cyprus. And we're going we're to meet with uh, the group that we support, this church supports, called Frontier Alliance International, FAI. These guys are doing incredible things. Get this, they are doing medical relief, Christians going into Syria, south of Damascus, in the middle of Syria. They're escorted by the Israeli defense forces to take them in and then come back out. And they are ministering to Muslim Syrians. And these people for the first time in their lives are saying this, I've heard these words. I've hated, I've been taught to hate you Christians and you Jews from my, from my youth. I've been taught that, and I hated you. But I want to tell you right now, you are the best people in the world. And we are praying for those people we're going to meet. We're going to have a lot of discussion about what they're doing there. They're doing it in Kurdistan. They're doing it in other places. 
So please pray for us. Pray for us. When you talk to people that are in the field everywhere across this world, their first request when they're asked, what, what would you want us to do for you? They, what do you think they say? Pray. Pray for us. Not give, not send. Pray for us. So, we need to, uh, Lord, may the Lord work in us. Um, let go. Make known your requests. Don't care about who's listening, who's not listening. Just do it. And then, I mean, go with gusto. How badly do we want these things? How badly do we want to see a hundred more people at the community meal saved? Wow, that would be glorious. And then just know, guys, whether you like it or not, whether you find it comfortable or not, we are all in the battle. We are all in the battle. So right now, we've got some brothers on the side, if you've got prayer needs, and we talk about prayer this morning, unleash, let them go. Go over and, and, and have a group prayer meeting right now. And if there is anybody here, anyone here, that is not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, has not had that living conversation with the living God, I, I'm just exhorting you. Don't wait. The work is done. The cross has dealt with the issue of sin and separation from God. That is, it is finished. There is an open door. The only thing that prevents any person from coming to Jesus Christ, to coming to God and having that eternal relationship with Him, is their own choice to do so. The gate is wide open. And I would encourage you again to go over and pray with these people and, and pray with them. Don't, just have, don't let them pray just for you. Pray with them. Engage with the living God. Is anybody bold enough to do that? I would encourage you, stand up right now. If you've got prayers, stand up right now. Go. And lastly, on your seat is these prayer requests. There's, a, there's a, a slip for a prayer request. And we do this. We've done this, I think, now. This is the third year. Dave, maybe third or fourth. I don't know. One of those two. We pray for these every Saturday morning. And this last year, we prayed for all the requests, some 300 requests, five or six times. I believe God heard us. So let me close in prayer, and then we'll have the worship team lead us in, uh, in thanks to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to recognize the awesome, incredible privilege we have of knowing you and actually having communication with you. Two-way, you talk to us, you do. I know every one of us has heard you many times. And Lord, lead us into that. We pray for that. I do pray. I'm sincere, Lord, in prayer. Lord, increase the good works that this church does 20 to 30 times. If you want to go beyond that, Lord, do it, please. But 
God, I pray even the more that you would increase our prayer, the intensity, the deliberate coming to you and having conversation with you. Letting go 200, 300 times, 400 times what we are today. So Lord, thank you for this time. We worship you. We worship you. You are God. What a thing. We give you thanks. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to stand? Let's all stand and sing this song. Whatever it is.